Um, Before we get going, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you very much for the chance to gather this evening on a rather wild night and to enjoy some treat food and the chance to meet other women who work in the wharf. Uh, Please help us to think about this topic of loving you and loving other people at work. And please guide us in our uh, discussion as we share wisdom. Help us to leave here tonight encouraged by the time we spend here. In your name, amen. Uh, So please feel free to keep eating. I've got a short sort of introduction, and then we'll get going on some discussion questions. But I wonder, have you ever wondered what to prioritize in your Christian life? So there's so many facets to and relationships in our lives How should we rank them? You know, what does God want us to put first? Should it be giving money? Should it be time spent at church? Uh, What about time with your spouse and kids, if you have them? Or care for elderly parents? Or perhaps should you be serving a a charity in your free time? What about spiritual retreats, undertaking a Bible study course, or reading theological books? And as women, I wonder if these questions plague us even more as our careers develop, but so do our other relationships, and we find an increasing number of demands on our time. Well, we are not the first to wonder this. So we're going to listen to an encounter Jesus had with someone who also wanted to know what God wanted his priorities to be. So we're going to look at Mark 12, and I think I've printed it on the handouts. Um, And I'll read for us verses 12 to 31. Right, Mark 12, uh, verses 28 to 31. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So this question of priority seems to have been the concern of the scribe who asked Jesus the question in verse 28. What was most important to God? What comes first in living to please him? And Jesus' answer is clear and simple, although it is demanding. Start with God himself and our attitude to him. We are to love him wholeheartedly, actually more than just our hearts, with our whole selves, with our emotions, our intelligence and thinking, our strength and energy. He is to be our highest and first love. And so closely connected with this love of God that Jesus brings it up, even though he wasn't asked to identify a second commandment, is our attitude to others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, sometimes Christians struggle with the idea of, you know, what does it mean that I love myself? And some people may struggle to love themselves. But we tend to agree it's not very healthy if someone isn't taking good basic care of themselves. Um, and is very, very, you know, down on themselves with a negative attitude. So I would say that a healthy attitude to ourselves is to look after our bodies and our mental health. We tend to be aware of our own needs and seek to meet them. 
which can start as simply as when I get out of bed in the morning, I look to get myself a cup of tea and some breakfast. Um, I think we expect understanding from people when we're tired or hungry or under pressure. And I know I tend to excuse my bad behaviour if one of these is a contributing factor. We notice and we care when we don't feel good, and usually we will try and work on it to try and improve the situation. We spend money and time on ourselves. So I think that love for ourselves is not primarily having a high opinion of ourselves, which I think as Christians we're rightly a little bit wary of. We know we need to be humble. But it is caring for ourselves as a whole person who has needs to be considered and met. And Jesus is telling us to treat our neighbours this way. And we might think, well, who is this neighbour that I'm to take such good care of? So we're going to look at Luke 10, verses 25 to 37. And again, that's on the handouts on your tables. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go. And do likewise. We don't have to speculate with our ideas about who falls into the category of neighbor because Jesus was asked this question during his life on earth. He gave a challenging answer. Any person we come across in our daily lives is a potential neighbor. It was the man with the least reason to be kind to the victim, according to the social convention of that time, who helped him. And Jesus tells us to be like that Samaritan, with our eyes open to the needs of the people we meet. So what does this have to do with our working lives? Well, in our context as women who work in the wharf, our colleagues are our neighbours, because they are those we come across in daily lives. We are to love them as we love ourselves. So how do these two greatest commandments work out at work? If we are to love God with our whole selves, then we need to love him while we're at work, too. If our colleagues are our neighbours, then we need to consider what it means to love them 
as we love ourselves. And this evening we're going to think about our experience of seeking to love God and love others at work. But first there's a foundational question I find I need to get in place. And it's this. Do you think that God is interested in your work? Why or why not? So around our tables, um, we're just going to spend a few minutes discussing this. Do you think God's interested in your work? Why or why not? And if you find your discussions dried up, feel free to move on to question two. How does your work fit in with God's plans for the world? I feel like I should have brought a fork and a glass. Um, I was wondering if I could just draw us back together so we can kind of find out some of the things you're thinking. So what do you reckon, ladies? Do you think God is interested in your work? I'm going to um, ask for a show of hands. I'm really sorry, ladies. Could I... Yeah, gather your attention. <laughs> um, so I was going to ask for a show of hands. Have you ever struggled to think that God's interested in your work? Anyone want to put a hand up? I'm going to put mine up. Um, and what were sort of some of the things that were coming out in your discussion of do you think God's interested in work? Why do you think we struggle with it? Why do you think we should believe he's interested in what we do? Any thoughts? Any brave thoughts? Yeah, so I think you're onto a really important thing that how we do our work is very important. Um, and sometimes maybe it's more important than the work itself. I think he, I think God is interested in intrinsically what we do. Um, and we'll go on and explore a bit more why, but I'd love to gather thoughts from other people as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. I think sometimes, yeah, uh, Canary Wharf, bankers, lawyers... Traders, you can feel like the bottom rung of the Christian assessment of, um, <laughs> does, you know, does God value our jobs? But actually, I don't think we should feel that way unless we're actively involved in something illegal, in which case, please come and talk to me afterwards. Um, and we'll chat about whether that's the best way to, to honour God at work. But I, I agree. I think actually we're part of this bigger task um, of being involved in the care of the world. And rather than just have me say it, we're going to look at some verses Uh, for that. So it's helped me to think about what the Bible says about God's plans for the world, as well as how he uses my job to make me more like Jesus. Um, So you'll see that there's some uh, verses on the sheet, and we're going to think particularly about creation and redemption. So go back into your groups and think about questions three, four, and five. I'm going to give you about 10, 15 minutes to do this. So do get the Bibles out and, and look up the verses. Lovely. Um, I wonder if you could share some of your thinking with us. So we were thinking about this kind of two headings of creation and redemption. Um, Let's start with creation. So what did we learn from Genesis 1, verse 28? Fruitful and multiply, yeah. And... Also that people should so fill the earth and rule over it. And, you know, rule over it doesn't mean trash it. It doesn't mean domineering rule. I think it's a, a mandate to care for the world that God created. Um, now, in, in Genesis chapter 2, you see Adam starting to do that by bringing order, by naming the animals. Um, it's kind of looking after... God's world on his behalf. Now, obviously, we've come a long way from a primarily agricultural economy, 
But I think the same principle of bringing order, I mean, that's the purpose of structures that we operate within, um, rules and regulations. And I think that's still God's plan for the world. And even though we can see that in some ways we've colossally messed it up, it doesn't mean we should give up the task. You know, we should still think about how does my work fit into that bigger structure? Um, And I was thinking about the jobs that I know that some of you do and jobs I know of in the wharf and trying to think how are they part of um, the economic order of society? So I was thinking, you know, bankers, you know, generating wealth, hopefully responsibly, to feed back into society via taxes and spending. Um, regulating markets so that integrity is upheld, investors are protected, and consumers are not exploited. Assisting businesses to conduct their business in line with the law, um, and defending the rights of those who have a claim under those laws. Um, I'm aware of NHS working in the wharf, particularly to do with just the structure and trying to make it function more efficiently. Um, And then I know there was one or two charities, raising funds, creating opportunities for young people. So I think these are just some of the roles, and you can see how they fit into bringing order to the world and subduing the earth. And just because something's not being done perfectly, it doesn't mean we shouldn't try and we shouldn't play our part. Um, What about redemption? We also thought about redemption. What did the verses there make you, remind you of from God's plans? I think that's right. I mean, I think... Uh, whether we like it or not we're almost like ambassadors in our workplaces we might be people's only link with Christianity Um, and certainly the way that you do your work and the way you treat people is going to reflect on what people think about Jesus now we could have a whole seminar and maybe we will one day on what can we say at work how can we talk about our faith at work how easy do we find it Um, but just that reminder that God also Um, our colleagues are part of the world whom Jesus died for and there may be people who don't yet believe but one day will and you might be part of the link in the chain of God getting the message out to them Um, so I think it's that's part of the way that we can love God in our workplace by being mindful of his plans for the earth and how our jobs fit in those and also a way to love others to be caring about their salvation and their souls not just whether they're useful to us and whether they've, you know, fixed my computer or printed my document yet. Um, Let's focus in for a bit on loving God. So we've we've talked about how we treat others, but let's uh, look at the verses under question six and think about how they help us to break down this idea of loving God at work, what that's going to look like. So back into your groups, have another 10 minutes, look at those verses, think about, What does it mean to love God? And then why is it hard to do? Right, I'd love to hear some of the thoughts that are coming out of these verses. Um, I mean, I can just stand here and eavesdrop, but it would be nice for everybody to share. (laughs) So, um, I think with these verses, I thought each set maybe focused on a different value that God wants us to encompass as we work. So, um, table over here. Have you got a value you want to share and which verse it came out of? Yeah, we were, we were chatting about that on our table, um, looking at the two Thessalonians verses as well, where Paul's being characteristically blunt. But I think it, you know, it shows us that God um, values work, even if it's working to live, <laughs> um, you know, to pay the bills and 
um, to ensure we have enough to eat. But I think, it, yeah, both these things, there's something about feeding our souls. It's not just feeding our faces, but it's not wrong to um, work to earn money. Yeah. So, yeah, it kind of puts a curb on it, doesn't it? It sets a, you know, it's not, it's good to work, and if all goes well, you can hope that that might make you rich. You hope you'll be um, rewarded, but we shouldn't be doing it out of greed. So we need money to live, I think we all know that, but we should be careful not to be infected by greed. Um, and did you get on to thinking about why is it hard to love God at work and show some of these values? And if not, shall we have a go altogether? Why is it hard, do you think? I think I found it hard sometimes just because it's not how my colleagues are approaching their job. So they're not thinking, how does this honour God? And how do I serve the Lord wholeheartedly in this pile of photocopying? Um, which, you know, certain point in my career, there was a lot of photocopying. Um, I think sometimes it's just that we're coming at it from a different angle from other people. So um, to remember this additional dignity that God gives it because we're doing it to serve him. I was thinking particularly about the Colossians verses as I was saying that. But I think it's incredible. You know, you will receive a reward from the Lord. So even if your boss is not recognizing the contribution you're making, in some mysterious way, God is. Um, I think that's right it's just I think once you get that perspective it does make it easier I think sometimes I forget to get the perspective I actually started my first job in London I started I used to go in the side entrance which not a lot of other people did when I was on my way in in the mornings and I made a habit as I came through the door I would say hello God so that I would remember that God was also at work it probably was quite key that nobody else was using the door at the time <laughs> but there we go um I'll crack on, shall I? Now, <laughs> so we've also thought about the, the purpose of redemption um, and the fact that your role at work places you among people who need to hear about Jesus. And I think, you know, w- we need to be wise about that. We're not paid to share the gospel or lead Bible studies. So I don't think the application of this is to go into work tomorrow, sit in the coffee spot and say, would anyone like to run through a gospel outline? Could I just explain my faith? Um, but we do have an opportunity to point to Jesus. Now, I tend to find they don't always come when you plan. Um, Sometimes they come in the socials when you go out with your colleagues. But the way you conduct yourself in the workplace um, is going to affect how people receive the message. And so the next set of verses for us to think about are breaking down what our attitude to others at work should be. So have we look at questions eight and nine and think about what it means to love others at work and why it's hard. Let's um, come back together. We're hopefully picking up lots of food for thought. There is more in these verses than we can do in our time. Um, And do keep the conversations going. But I wanted to give us, to kind of overview quite a big sweep today to get us thinking. Um, These verses, they look at our attitude towards authority. um, And also how we deal with it when we're not treated well. And we had some you know, great examples on our table about this. Um, I think it reminded me that it can be hard to love other people at work. They're not necessarily coming with the attitude that you're a human being with um, needs to be considered and met. Um, Sometimes we feel like we're in competition with people. Um, 
even if we get on well with them, we may be conscious that the tree goes like this as we go on in our careers. And so how do we respect people, care for people, when we know there's an element of competition with them? And these are maybe just things to reflect on, because I think we know it is hard. And so our last section, we're going to think about what help is there as we seek to love God and love others at work. Hopefully we're beginning to establish a framework for ourselves that God's interested in our working lives and we can love and serve him there. And as with any area in our Christian life, we're going to experience it being difficult. We are in a spiritual battle with the world around us that doesn't love God. We have the demands of our own sinful nature and with the spiritual forces of evil. So where can we get help? Well, prayer. Someone just shared a really great example of praying about a work situation in the discussion I was in. And when I was a student, someone older and wiser once said to me, you know, time spent praying is never time wasted. And my goodness, it is so true. Um, So we can see some great examples in the Bible of people who worked in secular settings relying on prayer. We've got consider Daniel and his regular prayer routine. Or we've got Nehemiah. He prayed both in preparation for a you know, demanding interview with the king of Persia. And he also prayed in the moment. We hear a quick arrow prayer go up as he's about to make a difficult request. So don't forget prayer. Um, and another resource is each other. So Hebrews 10 verses 24 to 25 says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. That's the day that Jesus is coming back. So there's two final questions for a final five minutes in groups. Um, How easy do you find it to pray about work? What sort of things do you find yourself praying? What sort of things do you think maybe you should be praying about work? And then how can we help each other to love God and love others at work? So, five minutes. Right, ladies, if I could just draw us back together so that I can make sure we finish on time, which I think is, you know, important in the workplace. (laughs) Um, I want to say thank you so much for coming. Um, It's been fantastic to see you all, and it's been lovely to meet some of you for the first time. I hope you've met someone you hadn't met before as well. Um, I really hope that working through these questions has given you some food for thought and some encouragement for your souls. Now, the plan is to host seminars like this once every two months or so. Um, And I think in the early evening and over dinner kind of got the vote when I was doing my research. So uh, probably at this sort of time. Can't promise it will always be cocoa, but um, it's actually a lovely thing. Somebody has given a, a gift particularly to be spent on... Christian women who work in the wharf and ministry among them. So we have a a bit of budget to run this. We have people who want this, want us to connect and want us to honour God in our working lives. So we're going to make the most of that, um, which is brilliant. Um, And the purpose of these events really is about your connection with each other. It's not primarily about what I have to say. It's about us meeting each other and us spurring one another on. Um, So as I say, thank you for making the effort to come because it's only possible if people come. Now, I have some thoughts on topics for future seminars, but I'd love to hear your suggestions. So either catch me this evening, or I think um, you have my email address. If not, you can find it on the Barge website, so you can email me when the bright ideas hit. Um, 
But let me pray to close. Father, thank you that you have given us jobs to work for you in Canary Wharf. Um, thank you that we can do our work to your glory and be ambassadors for Jesus where we are. Please help us as we seek to love you and love others in our workplaces. Amen.